Good morning. I missed you all last week. I was out um, hiking with some of the men of this parish. We had a, a four-day backpacking adventure um, in the rigorous hills of South Carolina. Um, I'll share more with you all about that in a second. But I'm glad to be back. And I'm glad to be here with you and looking at this parable. Or it's not a parable. It's a, um, something Jesus actually did, a story uh, from Luke's gospel. So we're just going to jump right in. Um, I invite you, you know, maybe you have a Bible or a Bible app or, or something. Uh, why don't you open it up and you can follow along with me. Um, we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus heals the ten lepers. Um, before we, we jump into this, we, it helps to understand the context, the setting, what, what's happening in Luke's gospel. And what's really interesting about Luke's gospel is there's a point, I think it's around chapter 9, where Luke says, Jesus set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. He set his face to Jerusalem. And, and so the implication there is, Jesus was resolutely heading towards Jerusalem. Now, this certainly was a geographical journey. He was moving from Galilee to Jerusalem. But it was also a spiritual journey because he was um, going there for a purpose. He was going there to do something. Why was he going to Jerusalem? He was going to die. He was going to die, to give himself, to give his life as a sacrifice so that you and I and all the people of his day and all the people that have yet to come behind us so that we may all know the grace and power and love of God that we may be forgiven of our sins and be in a relationship with him. That, that was the purpose. So when it says that Jesus was going to Jerusalem, yes, he was, he was journeying physically, although it was actually, if you read it, he's kind of all over the place, but he's getting there eventually. But he was going spiritually to Jerusalem as well. And so when we read this passage, we have to read it in the shadow of the cross, in the shadow of death. If we're followers of Jesus, we read this and we say, well, what does it look like to follow with him, to journey with him to Jerusalem so that we may die with him, that our old selves may die so that we can be raised to new life? And so when we read this passage of these ten lepers, we read it, as people who have died with Jesus Christ. These are men that he's, he's showing us, one in particular, as an example of discipleship, what it looks like to follow him, and how are we to do that in light of the cross. So, we're in Luke chapter 17, and there's three things we're going to pull out of this passage. The first one is we're called to approach Jesus in prayer. We're called to be obedient to him and we're called to respond to him with gratitude. Prayer, obedience, gratitude. It's simple. You can, you can do that. Remember it. Prayer, obedience, gratitude. The first one, prayer. Jesus is heading into a village, and he's approached by these lepers, and they're crying out, Lord, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Well, why would they need mercy? They had leprosy. Leprosy... Um, you know, and the Bible covers a, a sort of a multitude of skin diseases, but basically their skin was dying and falling off. They couldn't hide it. It was all over their bodies. They were literally rotting. <coughs> and so 
they were cast out. Well, for two reasons. One is nobody else wanted to get it. Did anybody want to get leprosy? No. They didn't know if it was contagious. They didn't know what it was. And so they were cast out of the village. Um, so there was a sort of a physical reason. Get You know, we don't want to be sick as well. But there's also a spiritual reason that these lepers were outside of the village, that they were cast out. The Old Testament actually speaks to leprosy in a couple of places. And it actually commands God's people to exile these folks from the community. Um, Numbers, uh, fabulous book, by the way. If you haven't read it, read Numbers. It's very long. Um, but it's good. It's really, it actually is quite good. Um, but be persistent. Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 to 3 says this. Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean. Remember that word. Everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. Do you see that? This was a spiritual problem. It's not just that they were contagious. They were unclean. They were not holy. For them to be in the midst of God's people and in the presence of God risk defiling a holy people. They were sent out because they were spiritually unclean. And so these lepers who were waiting here on Jesus, there's a certain um, longing, obviously, to be part of the community. But there's a longing to be connected with God. They were separated from God himself because of their uncleanness. And we see that Jesus has come to um, remedy that, to heal that. So these men, they're waiting, and they see Jesus, and verse 12 says this. As he entered a village, as Jesus entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. So they met him, but they were also standing back, so they were respecting the law, but they were still coming at him. They were meeting him. They wanted to see him and talk to him. They met him, they stood at a distance, and they cried out with loud voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. This is an earnest prayer, a prayer from the heart. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. Oh, that we would pray like these lepers. Oh, that we would approach God with that kind of boldness and that kind of expectation and that kind of desire for him to do something in our lives. So we pray a little bit and we think about what we need from the grocery and what the kids are doing and we get distracted. But there's no urgency there. Why is that? J.C. Ryle is an um, Anglican bishop, or was an Anglican bishop around, you know, end of the 18th century. He, he wasn't one to mince words. Um, and he said something like this. I, I'm paraphrasing here. But he said, you know, he's saying, why are our prayers cold? Why are our prayers dead? Why is there no life in our conversation with God? And he said, if we could only see our souls, if we could only look inside ourselves and see the condition of our hearts, with the same desperation that these lepers saw their skin, then we would cry out to God in the same way. 
If we could see the brokenness of our souls and the distance from God and the sin that pervades us, and we can see that, but if we knew, if we knew the consequences of that, we would cry out like these lepers, Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, save us. Lord, redeem this broken situation again and again and again. These men were called to prayer. They approached Jesus. Disciples approached Jesus in prayer. Uh, second thing we see is they were obedient. They cried out for mercy, approaching him in prayer, and then they were obedient. And it's really interesting what Jesus does here because sometimes people come to Jesus and he's like, you're healed. And they get up and walk away. There's the guy who, who the friends lifted him up onto the roof of the house, right? And they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered them down to be at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, wow, you're healed. And he stood up and walked out of the house. There's the little girl that he raised from the dead. There's Lazarus in the tomb for three days that Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man walked out of a tomb. But he doesn't do that here. He looks at these lepers. What does he say? Verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Okay, pay very close attention to the order here. Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. He commands them to go, and as they went, they were cleansed. It's not like he cleansed them and then they went. It didn't work like that. He said, go. They left. When they started running, they were just the same as they were when they started. And then somewhere they were cleansed. In the midst of what? In the midst of their obedience. Isn't that interesting? This isn't, um, you know, sometimes we're obedient in sort of a what have you done for me lately, Jesus style. I've said this prayer. I can't speak for you, but I'm guessing you have too. It usually goes something like this. Jesus, if you will do this for me, I will do this for you. Okay? Jesus, you make this happen, and I promise I'll go to church most weeks. Um. That's not what happened in this story, is it? They didn't say, Jesus, well, when you cleanse us, we'll go. We're not going to start running and lose our breath if this isn't going to work. No, no. They left. They were obedient to Jesus. And so we got we to walk a little balance here because Jesus' grace always comes first, okay? Don't forget that. His grace always comes first. It is never dependent on our obedience. But it's also not a what have you done for me lately faith. It's a what have you done for me once and for all and giving your life for me on the cross and then being raised from the dead so that I might live with you in eternity kind of faith. It's that kind of obedience. An obedience that looks at Jesus dying bloody on the cross and says, thank you, Lord, I will obey you. And in the midst of our obedience, his grace has continued to lavish upon us. But sometimes what we want doesn't come first. There's an, an analogy to me, at least, when we were hiking. So we were hiking the glorious peaks of South Carolina. And we summited, okay, this is quite a feat. We planted the St. Paul's flag at the top of the highest point in South Carolina. Sassafras Mountain was a glorious 15 feet above sea level. <laughs> No, it was like 3,500 feet. Um, 
who else? Any of y'all? Can y'all say that? You've summited the highest peak in South Carolina? Not too many. I've been there. Um, but here's what happened, okay, on the way to Sassafras Mountain. We knew that we were going to hit the highest point in South Carolina. And yet the trail we were on kept going down. Okay? We kept going down. The next mountain, we knew the next mountain was Sassafras, and yet the trail we were on kept going down. Do you see how that works? We hit, I I would guess, we hit the lowest elevation of the entire hike immediately before we hit the highest elevation. That's a lot of uphill climbing, friends. The men who came with us... um, we don't burden them with details like where we're going or how far it is. And we, we invite them just to relax and to follow us and, and to, you know, just, just do what we ask them to. And they do. It's really actually it's a very gracious thing. And, and we get to like this lowest point and we're like, all right, guys, we're going to hike up. And they don't know what's coming. They don't know what to expect. But they, we just do it. We just put one foot in front of the other and we keep on hiking in obedience and hope and expectation. And that's what faithful discipleship looks like when we're following Jesus. It looks like when we're at the lowest point in our lives. When things around us are falling apart. When it can't get any worse. When we don't want to come to church. When we don't want to pray. When we don't want to read our Bibles. When, in fact, we don't want to talk to God at all because if we did, we'd be pretty ashamed of what we would say to him that God calls us to keep on hiking, to put one foot in front of the other, because he knows something glorious is waiting for us. And he's like, you wouldn't understand it if I even began to explain it to you. We rest our hope on Jesus Christ and the promise he's given us. We rested, you know, we're hiking, and we knew we were coming to this peak, and it was going to be glorious, and we couldn't wait to get there. And so we kept going, one foot in front of the other. And so these lepers, they obeyed, they left, and they were cleansed. The final thing I, I want us to see in this passage is responding in worship. You know, they prayed to Jesus, they obeyed Jesus, and one of them came back and worshipped Jesus. So what happens? Verse 15 and 16 One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And now get this. He was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. He was a half-breed. He wasn't Jewish. He wasn't part of God's people. The one leper that turned back was the Samaritan. There are two responses to Jesus' grace. Nine of the lepers kept going to the temple. And it revealed the desires of their hearts. Their desire wasn't for the man who healed them, for the man who cleansed them. Their desire um, was to be back into the world they knew. Their desire was to be back into the community, the Jewish community, 
um, the, the community of, of God's chosen people, but at the same time, the community that was turning away from God time and time again. Their, their desire was not for the God who loves them and saves them. The desire was for something else. It was for, for the world, for their own status. And then there was the one leper who desired the God who healed him. And so, I want you to take two things away from this, and then we'll be done. How are you responding to Jesus Christ? So, so many of you are very faithful, and I know that. But I'm in this boat with you. How do we respond to Jesus Christ? What does our response to him look like? Do we, do we turn back to him? Do we turn back to the cross, to the one that healed us and cleansed us? Or do we run chasing after the world, after the desires of the flesh? Do we take the freedom and the grace that God has given us and run away from him with it and kill ourselves with it? Is that what we're doing? And so what does this look like? Practically, what does this look like? Well, it looks like this, you know, some of you are married. Some of you are married. And this is an amazingly graceful gift that God has given you to be in a relationship with somebody like that. And what do we do? We come home from work and we destroy each other with our words. Right? We let our marriage disintegrate around us while we um, focus on work too much or we focus on lust or we focus on our children, even in our marriage, just falls apart. We take this grace that God has given us and we chase after the things of this world. We're freed, you know, we're freed from all sorts of addictions, and what do we do with that grace? We run and we find more. We take the grace that God gives us and then we run after the things of this world, and it's killing us, friends. How can we respond? Well, we, we come and we worship. And so we worship here on Sunday mornings. We worship when we read our Bibles. We worship in our small groups. We, we worship every waking hour of the day. Everything we have, we offer to Jesus on the cross. Like this one leper. He never went to the priest. He came back to Jesus. What did Jesus say to him? He didn't say, you're cleansed. He said, your faith has made you well. Another translation of that word is your faith has saved you. And that brings me to my second and final point here is, is this. Some of you haven't heard this. Some of you don't know this sort of healing grace that Jesus Christ is offering, that he's poured out himself for us. And so I want you to, to hear this and hear it clearly, friends, okay? Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, I'm so far from God, even if I wanted to believe this, God wouldn't have me. Okay? In the first century Jewish world that Jesus was living in, no one, no one, no one was farther than God than a Samaritan with leprosy. No one on the face of the earth was farther than God, farther from God than this man. And he comes to Jesus. And he praises him with a loud voice. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And that offer is on the table for you this morning. It'll be on the table for you tomorrow. It'll be on the table for you the rest of your life. But Jesus is offering you his grace and he's inviting you into a relationship. And there's nothing you can do that will change that. Will you take it?
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your healing and saving power. And I, I, I pray, Lord, that we would take the grace that you bestowed on us and that we would turn around, that we would repent, that we would come and fall at your feet and worship you. Lord, help us to see the amazing um, richness that you've poured out in our lives and help us to lift that up in honor and glory of you and worship and praise of you. And for those who have not heard this before, for this is new to them, I pray, Lord, that you would touch their hearts in a fresh way this morning and that they would come to you for the first time and know your grace and know your mercy and know your love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.